1: This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at thesportshistorynetwork.com. The Rose Bowl. The game that inspired the college football bowl season
0: has a long and storied history. The stadium itself is 100 years old, and in celebration of it, Pigskin Dispatch is assembling some of the top historians and authors to share the memories, people, and events that make the granddaddy of them all the special game that it is. Enjoy this Rose Bowl memory from pigskindispatch.com.
2: Hello, my football friends. This is Darren Hayes of pigskindispatch.com. Welcome once again to the Pigpen, your portal to positive football history. And we are in Rose Bowl month, having a great time learning about all these great Rose Bowl games with so many great historians and authors coming on and talking about the granddaddy of them all. And we have another doozy tonight as we uh, go chronologically through these games. We're going to be talking about the 1984 Rose Bowl. And we've got a special guest, one of our great friends, Joe Ziemba, from When Football Was Football podcast here on Sports History now work uh, joe welcome back to the pig pen oh darren thanks so much
0: for having me and I, as i said before i love the concept of what you're doing and for me it is so much fun and i'm looking forward to talking about this game because I, what i try and do is find something intriguing or unusual in every game and something always pops up so this one i don't think will be any different we're going to talk about uh a quarterback who couldn't sleep before the game because he had food poisoning we had a scoreboard that was hijacked and the wrong teams were listed on the scoreboard and one of the biggest upsets in Rose Bowl history.
2: Wow, that, that is definitely a great teaser, Joe. I can't wait to hear about these. Uh, and you're right, there are so many great things and odd things that happen at these Rose Bowl games, as we've been learning. It seems like every year there's something that's unique or a record set or really some outstanding play by a player and it makes them memorable. And that's what makes them so much fun. So we're glad you could join us and and talk about this 84 game. Great. And this was a kind of a fun one. Not so much for
0: those of us from the state of Illinois, but it was a fun one.
2: <laughs> well, the rest of us from the rest of the country that have no rooting interest, we, we love those kind of games. So.
0: Great, <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah. Well, our two combatants that year in the '84 Rose Bowl were UCLA, representing the Pac-10 with a six-four and one record, versus the number four team in the nation, the Fighting Illini of Illinois with ten and one record, and it was played on January second of nineteen eighty four because, much like this year. New Year's Day fell on a Sunday, so they moved it back a day. And unfortunately for Illinois, and I'm going to give the score first before we talk about the game, UCLA, that woeful four loss and one tie season simply devastated Illinois 45-9 to in a game that really wasn't that close. So mm-hmm. when it went by 36 and it's not close, that's, that's kind of ugly. And for UCLA, the team that won – they started out the season really poorly. They they lost three and tied one in their first four games. So you can't really conceive of a team that's o three 3 one going on to win a major tough conference and then winning the Rose Bowl. But that's exactly what they did. They won seven of the last eight to win the Pac-10 conference had a couple of stars on the team that you might know the names. One was Rick Neuheisel, who now uh, became a coach, of course. He was a quarterback, passed for over 2,200 yards, and Kevin Nelson, the running back, with 898 rushing yards for the team. And one of the players who was drafted in 1984 but wasn't in this game was a quarterback named Jay Schroeder, or Schroeder, uh, who played 11 years in the NFL? Only got one start for UCLA as a freshman, and that was three years before this Rolls Bowl season. And he gave up football though, and he played baseball in the Tor- Toronto Blue Jays minor league system for three years. And then he started working out again when things weren't going well with his baseball career, and thought maybe I'll try the NFL draft. Well, people saw him; he's a big six foot four quarterback. Uh, and he got drafted like 83rd in the overall draft and went on to have a 11 year NFL career. And he was the quarterback. And you may remember this when Joe Theismann broke his leg, I think it was on Monday mm-hmm. night football. And Jay was the guy who came in promised, uh, Thaisman they'd win the game for him, and that was really his first extensive playing. He was able to play for the Redskins after that, and as I said, enjoyed a, a great career. But in college, in the pros it is, he um, threw a game-winning touchdown during his freshman or sophomore year, excuse me, in 1980 in a 20-17 to 17 win over Southern Cal, and that was kind of what put him on the map, even though he didn't play a whole lot uh, of football during what have, would have been his collegiate career. But um, he's always uh, been remembered that, and that game uh, that he played against Southern Cal way back in 1980, uh, a pass was thrown that was deflected by a defender, it was picked up by the UCLA guy who ran it in, and so with two minutes remaining, UCLA was able to defeat Southern Cal. And again, Jay Schrader dropped back and threw that pass, and his largest playing time to think of his collegiate career so here he was um we have a, an nfl quarterback he did make a pro Bowl one year that would have been on the ucla team but gave it up to become a baseball player so i thought that was was kind of unique and one of those interesting things which has nothing to do with the rose bowl though darren but we thought we'd throw it in anyway
2: yeah. Well, you cover a lot of bases there, you know, especially with the NFL career. You talked a little bit about Joe Theismann, uh, you know, of course, they're was, he was playing the Giants. And I think it was Lawrence Taylor that ended up doing the hit on him that took Theismann out. And can you imagine uh, being Schrader saying you're going to come into that game after you just see that, you know, Giants defense that was just ferocious, oh. you know, especially with LT. You know, everybody was afraid of him, he's unblockable, and he just broke uh, the guy that plays ahead of you his leg and ended oh. his career. And yeah, I'm going in there to face that. So,
0: yeah, and especially not really having played much the last four or five years. But uh, at the time, Schrader, he did uh, say that his baseball career actually helped him, that he was able to step in. He said, I think my baseball background helped me in that game, as he recalled going in for Theisman. Uh, in a baseball game, you spend a lot of time sitting around just like a backup quarterback, which is true. But then you got to get up and do something. And so I was ready to take over, he said, which I thought was really a, kind of a nice stretch when you compare football to baseball from players who uh, maybe
2: are watching the game instead of actually participating back then. Ah, interesting. I, I never heard that quote before. That's, that's a good one.
0: And then Illinois, who broke our hearts that year. Ten and one record, seven and zero in the Big Ten, and a great quarterback. And Jack Trudeau threw for twenty four hundred and forty six yards. Uh, running back Thomas Rooks picked up eight hundred and forty two yards on the ground, and then hit a great defensive end named Dan Thorpe. He was actually the MVP of the team, the MVP of the Big Ten, and he later enjoyed a, a kind of a brief pro uh, career played for three teams, the Saints, the Colts, and the Chiefs over four or five years. So um, they they uh, had an opening game loss themselves. They lost to Missouri 28-18 and then really kind of bounced back and really only had one difficult game. That was a 17-13 to win over Ohio State, perennial tough team, of course, in the Big Ten, and then the Illinois marched all the way to the Rose Bowl. So – When they got there, of course, they were going to face uh, Rick
2: Neuheisel. Am I pronouncing that correct? (laughs) I think uh, Neuheisel is the way I've always learned it.
0: (laughs) But it it was setting up some interesting trivia for that game. For example, uh, I mentioned Don Thorpe for the Illini uh, setting up a tackle, and he was paired with another tackle called Mark Butkus. And sure enough, that was the nephew of the great Dick Butkus of the Chicago Bears, who also played at Illinois. And Illinois was also under Coach Mike White recruiting a lot of players from California, and so they proudly uh, claimed that 21 of their 95 players who played in the Rose Bowl that year were from California. And they were clearly the, the favorite in the game. Uh, Trudeau had a great pass, passing rating of 140.8 for the season. I think he was in the top three in the nation, completed 64% of his passes. And on the opposite side would be Neuheisel who actually at the time set a NCAA single game mark by completing 25 of 27 passes in a win over Washington. And his percentage was 69% for the year. And we look back almost 40 years ago, those are pretty good darn percentages for passing game, which was becoming more sophisticated. Maybe not like it is now. And the, um, the team also UCLA had an all American safety name, Don Rogers. So, Both teams were known for having strong finishes to games. Illinois scored 90 points throughout the year in the fourth quarter, UCLA 105. But Illinois went into the game as a four-point favor. Then on game day, it was was 84 degrees, a little warmer than it would have been in Illinois at the time. And although UCLA was playing the game in their home stadium, the Rose Bowl, they were decided to be the visiting team, so they had to dress accordingly. And that's where our food story, food poisoning story comes in, Darren. Several players on UCLA suffered from food poisoning the night before, including Neuheisel. And he said, I woke up at four in the morning and I was sweaty and queasy. I thought maybe I was nervous, but I don't usually get nervous. And then I threw up about four times. I was real weak before the game and I didn't know if I'd be able to go. But in a game like this, you have to go for it. So Coach Donahue of uh, UCLA didn't want to freak out the other players in the team, thinking their quarterback was too sick to play. Uh, Put their quarterback in a car instead of the team bus and had him go to the Rose Bowl, and hopefully they would pump something into him, make him feel better by game time. So uh, he was able to play. Uh, When game time started, Neuheisel was all over the place. Uh, 43 seconds into the game, uh, Rogers, Don Rogers, who we mentioned, intercepted a Jack Trudeau pass. And although UCLA did not score on that, uh, Newheisel had a great game with four touchdown passes. Uh, they were up seven to three after one quarter, twenty-eight to three at the half, thirty-eight to three after three quarters. And Illinois finally scored a touchdown in the fourth quarter when Trudeau passed to Thomas Rooks. They missed the extra point. And it ended up forty-five to nine. It was the second straight Rose Bowl win for UCLA, after all. But the uh, offense of UCLA was dominant—five hundred eleven yards. Illinois could only come up with two hundred five. And and Darren, one of the interesting facts about that game that on seventeen rushing attempts, Illinois came up with exactly zero yards on the ground during the game. Oh, wow! And Trudeau tied a Rose Bowl record. Uh, with three interceptions. And ironically, the next season, in 85, he won 215 passing attempts without an interception. But on the big stage, he had a he had a tough day. And this was the first time in bowl history that an unranked team, being UCLA, was able to beat a top-five team in a bowl game. But I also mentioned a scoreboard prank, which was uh, kind of interesting when we consider the source. There were a couple of students from Caltech. And of course, I would never qualify to go t- to Caltech or even to be allowed on their campus. Um, even at the time, they were messing around with computers and managed to sneak into the scoreboard area and set up a computer, which allowed them to remotely post messages on the scoreboard. And sure enough, shortly after they got started with that, instead of Illinois and UCLA on the scoreboard, it said Caltech and MIT were the teams that were playing. (laughs) And so one of the students who did this apparently uh, told his professor beforehand that he was going to do it, ended up getting extra credit for pulling this off and got an A for the semester in his
2: course. (laughs) But. Those guys from Caltech, because they're the ones that did the halftime prank at 1961's game where they changed the Washington Huskies cheerleaders cards that they had out in the crowd around and it was supposed to spell out Huskies in the, the home crowd and NBC was televising it and here it spelled out Caltech. They had a whole big, uh. and it was successful. So those guys from Caltech, they're smart and they're also pranksters at the Rose Bowl. It sounds like.
0: Oh man, that's funny. Well, they got away with it again and now they're
2: using technology to do it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's a, that's a good one. I didn't hear that, that Caltech story. Yeah. Very good.
0: So, Illinois Illinois got beat, and I guess some of the UCLA players were a little upset because when Illinois came in and trumpeted that they had all these California players and they were ranked and didn't take UCLA very seriously, and UCLA safety Don Rogers said they took over everything, and we lost a lot of respect in Los Angeles. People said we couldn't play with them and that we shouldn't be here. Everything in Los Angeles was pro-Illinois before the game. And then even Neuheisel was talking about the game, and uh, he said, uh, you have to wonder who wrote this story for us. Whoever it was, I want to thank them very much. And here was the unheralded UCLA team pulling one of the biggest, if not the biggest, upsets in bowl game history. And so that was uh, some of the the gems we've been able to pull up from almost
2: forty years ago from a game, as I said, in Illinois. We we'd kind of like to forget. Yeah. Well, the, the the new Heisel story is very interesting with him having that food poisoning. It's almost you know very uh, Michael Jordan with the food yeah. kind of game where you know, Joe Montana and the chicken soup game down at the Cotton Bowl. Uh, you know, I think a few years before that. But, you know, these players that come in and have a great game when they're, you know, low under the weather, that's, that's just tremendous when you hear that. It's, those are great stories. Yeah,
0: here's a guy who comes in and throws four touchdown passes. He had actually lost his starting position uh, early in the season. A guy named Steve Bono, you may have heard of before, who had a nice professional career. But then Neuheisel yeah. came back and led them all the way to the Rose Bowl, despite that untidy record that they had during the regular season.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, Bono was a great quarterback, too. He was the uh, replacement quarterback during the strike year for the Steelers, and then he ended up catching on. I think he even started for the Kansas City Chiefs for a few years after that. Mm -hmm. He stayed in the NFL, so... Yeah, so that's that's great stuff, and that was UCLA. I think that was the first time that they repeated as as uh, Rose Bowl champions because they won the year before. They beat Michigan in a mm-hmm. fairly close game, twenty four fourteen. And Don uh, Don Rogers was one of the uh, most outstanding players of that that game the year before. So, you, you know, when you talked about him having a little bit of vengeance from t- talking about California players. Well, oh yeah. You know, he he was big in the in the Rose Bowl, so he knew Yeah, that. I think
0: I think the UCLA won the following year too. I think they made it three in a row, if I'm not mistaken. No, so. they they there was I a think... year in between
2: Southern California. Oh, a year in between. Okay, they won in '86. Uh, they they beat Iowa.
0: Ah, that's right. Okay, so, yeah.
2: Hmm. But hey, that's uh, great stuff. A uh, great Rose Bowl, and we really appreciate you. Yeah uh, coming in and sharing that with us. Now you have a book that came out recently. And, uh, I don't know if you want to tell people what the title of that is and let the listeners know where they can get a copy of it.
0: Oh, sure. Thank you very much, Darren. Yeah. The book is called bears versus Cardinals, the NFL's oldest rivalry. And again, what we try and do is not go by every game or every season, but to find the stories that make up this great rivalry. Uh, People may not know that the Arizona Cardinals were originally from Chicago, and they played their first game in 1920 against the Decatur Staley's, who would become the Chicago Bears. So lots of fun stuff in there from the Al Capone gang interrupting a a ball game to uh, some of the little secret things George Hallis did to save some money. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And, and why the Cardinals finally decided to leave Chicago. So uh, thank you for the opportunity to share that information. The book is out now available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble,
2: Target, uh, pretty much anywhere online that you would like to look. So thanks, Darren. Yeah, sure. Tremendous. And folks, if you can't, don't have a pencil or pen or, or you're driving, you know, we don't want you to get in an accident. We'll have it in the show notes of this podcast or on pigskindispatch.com. You can find links to get to Joe's book and uh, get a copy of it. So Joe, thanks a lot for sharing with this Rose Bowl. And uh, we'll be talking to you again real soon about some other uh, great games of the Rose Bowl. So hey, thanks.
0: we thank you. And we certainly look forward to seeing you again, Darren. Thanks again for having me.
2: Peeking up at the clock the time's running down we're going to go into victory formation take a knee and let this baby run out thanks for joining us we'll see you back tomorrow for the next podcast we invite you to check out our website pigskindispatch.com not only to see the daily football history but to experience positive football with our many articles on the good people of the game as well as our own football comic strip cleat marks comics pigskindispatch.com is also on social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel to get all of your positive football news and history. A special thanks to the talents of Mike and Gene Monroe, as well as Jason Neff for letting us use their music during our podcast.
1: This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, football fans. This is Ross, the host of the Pigskin Tales podcast. I just need a few moments of your time to talk about the host of the Pigskin Dispatch podcast, Darren Hayes. He's expanded the pig pen to search out information on the history of all team sports. It's a quest to find out about the competitors, teams, and places chronicled throughout athletic history through the uniforms and gear the participants used and wore. And he is taking you, the listener, with him on this educational journey to preserve sports history on the Sports Jersey Dispatch, found here on the Sports History Network. His newest podcast, called Jersey Dispatch, is all based on the jerseys that all the greats used to wear. You can find Darren Hayes and the Pigskin Dispatch podcast as well as Jersey Dispatch on your favorite podcast provider multiple times each week. So remember that. Darren Hayes, the host of the Big Skin Dispatch and Jersey Dispatch Podcast. It's found right here on the Sports History Network.